0: Mormonism 101, a book by Mormonism Research Ministries, Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson has helped many who want to understand what separates Mormonism from the Christian faith. Mormonism 101 is available at your favorite Christian bookstore or online at mrm.org.
1: So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Today we are looking at page 27 of the December 2021 edition of the Leahona Magazine. It's a small little section on page 27. Barely a sixth of the page, but it certainly stands out where we are concerned because, as we were talking about yesterday, how the first presidency under Heber J. Grant were gaslighting the membership when they taught that celestial marriage, that is, marriage for time and eternity, and polygamous or plural marriage are not synonymous terms. I think the membership is being gaslighted with this article here. We're talking about official declarations one and two. And the heading on that page reads, why does church policy sometimes change? Now, this can be very confusing because what the church is trying to do, of course, they are separating the eternal nature of doctrine with the not-so-eternal nature of policy or even practice, as somehow they can be divided. And they have to do this because why did the church abandon the practice of plural marriage? Well, the doctrine of plural marriage is still intact, but the practice of plural marriage, or the policy as we are now to understand, is something that can be tinkered with and actually adjusted. But you see, when we cited some statements yesterday from Brigham Young, And even from the first presidency under Wilford Woodruff, which would include Wilford Woodruff, George Q. Cannon, and Joseph F. Smith, a statement made back in December 19th, 1891, over a year after the Manifesto of 1890 was given out, where the church promised that they were no longer practicing plural marriage. They promised the federal government that they were not doing it, and they were going to no longer do it. Now, we know from history— that that was not true. They most certainly were practicing plural marriage, and they were even
2: solemnizing marriages that were plural. Bill, this section that is being written in the December 2021 Leahona magazine is referring to the Come Follow Me curriculum, and if you go to the Come Follow Me curriculum for December 6th through 12th, they are covering the Articles of Faith and Official Declarations 1 and 2. In, in a uh, study that they're doing with individuals and families. I want to read to you the question they list under Official Declaration 1 under the section titled, The Work of God Must Move Forward. And it says this, In the excerpts from three addresses by President Wilford Woodruff regarding the manifesto at the end of Official Declaration 1, what reasons did the prophet give for the Lord ending the practice of plural marriage? And then it asks, What does this teach you about God's work? Bill, what were the reasons that were given by Wilford Woodruff as to why polygamy ended? Well,
1: one thing that seems to be pretty clear is it had to be done for practical purposes. And some of the things that are mentioned in these excerpts that you find underneath Official Declaration 1 is the fact that the Church was about to have not only More property confiscated by the federal government, but even their temples were going to be confiscated by the government. The imprisonment of the first presidency was going to take place if they did not do this. And not only the first presidency, but the imprisonment of the Twelve. In fact, we already know that members of the leadership did go to prison. We know for a fact George Q. Cannon went to prison. And if you are in the Draper area at any time and you want to go catch lunch at the local Chukarama in Draper right off of Interstate 15, when you go into that restaurant after you pay, turn right, there's a huge picture of George Q. Cannon with a number of other Latter-day Saints in their prison garb. I wonder how many people eating there know who that is, and why are they dressed like that? But you see, it was for practical reasons. Was it really a revelation from God? And if it was a revelation from God, wouldn't God have known that this day was going to eventually happen in the first place? And if so, why was Wilford Woodruff, one of many leaders Vowing that they would never give up the practice of polygamy. To give up the practice of polygamy, you might as well give up Mormonism. They understood the severity of this teaching, and yet they had to cave because the government meant business. I think they were trying to bluff, and the government didn't flinch. And so Woodruff has no choice but to come up with this manifesto. And even though I think the promise is vain, it's deception. He has to say that, otherwise the, the church is going to prevent the territory from becoming the state of Utah.
2: And I think you're right on that. When it says in the, in the Official Declaration 1, which is the wisest course for the Latter-day Saints to pursue, I think that's obvious. This was a decision that was made for the betterment of the people and for their property. Bill, did this Official Declaration 1 end polygamy? No, it didn't. It kept going on. Now, it was practiced in Mexico.
1: It was practiced in Canada. In fact, Cardston, Alberta, Canada was where a lot of Latter-day Saints went in order to practice plural marriage. They tried to escape the federal law, even though it was still being done in the United States as well. Why else would it be necessary to come out with the second manifesto in 1904? You've heard me say on the air, I look at the second manifesto as the Now We Really Mean It manifesto. They kind of winked before, but in 1904, with the the seeding of Reed Smoot into our government, they had to now be serious about this. And so that's why they came out with that second manifesto in 1904. I want to go back to this whole idea that somehow... Plural marriage is not the same as celestial marriage. And we read that comment yesterday. I read it again today. I want to read it one more time. This is Heber J. Grant, Anthony Ivins, and J. Reuben Clark in 1914. Celestial marriage, that is marriage for time and eternity, and polygamous or plural marriage are not synonymous terms. That's not how those terms were understood before the manifesto came out in 1890. Brigham Young made that clear. I think even Wilford Woodruff made that clear. But then we have another statement that was made on May 8, 1887. By at the time, it was a stake president by the name of Angus M. Cannon. Now, an interesting tidbit of information, Eric. Angus M. Cannon was the father-in-law of Margaret McKeever. She was married to Jesse Fox Cannon. I don't think she's in a relation to me. She's the uh, daughter of Thomas McKeever, who I have no idea who he is. I just thought that I'd throw that out. But what did Angus M. Cannon say on May
2: 8, 1887? Laws have been enacted by which men are compelled to make oath before they can register and vote. A great many of us cannot subscribe to this oath. Your humble servant is among that number. Men who have entered into celestial marriage, that is, those who have taken plural wives are barred from taking the oath. They should not take the oath. They cannot take the oath. Notice what he
1: equates. Men who have entered into celestial marriage, that is, those who have taken plural wives. So he equates the practice of taking more than one wife with the doctrine of celestial marriage. So I guess what we're trying to take away from this little article here is The practice of plural marriage was the policy? Is that what we're supposed to understand? The practice of it was the policy and that can be changed? Well, if that's the case, then of course that means that the doctrine of plural marriage is still intact. It's just not practiced the way it was in the 19th century. And we know that the doctrine of plural marriage goes on because Russell M. Nelson is sealed to two women. He's sealed to two women. One of them has passed away, but he's still sealed to a second woman, and he has every hope, if Mormonism's true, of being with both women in the next life. The same could be said for Dallin H. Oaks. He also is sealed to two women. But would Brigham Young agree with this? According to Brigham Young, on August 19, 1866, and again, if you want to look this up, the Journal of Discourses, volume 11, page 269, he said, The only men who become gods, even the sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. Do we get the impression that he is somehow separating practicing polygamy from the doctrine of polygamy? Now, see, Brigham Young would say that if you believe in the doctrine of polygamy, which he taught was also equated with celestial marriage, you better not just believe it to be a doctrine. You better be practicing the doctrine. Latter-day Saints aren't doing that today. So would modern Latter-day Saints qualify for celestial exaltation according to what Brigham Young says here, that the only men who become gods, even the sons of God, are those who
2: enter into Polygamy. Doctrine and Covenants section 132 is still part of the LDS canon. How many Latter-day Saints today reading that realize that that was referring to polygamy? Officially, that's what it was. In fact, let me just give you a quote from Thomas G. Alexander in a book that he wrote called Mormonism in Transition on page 11. He says, when church members spoke of celestial marriage or read Doctrine and Covenant section 132, they thought of plurality of wives, not as Latter-day Saints do today, merely of marriage for time and eternity. Under those conditions, and in light of a long history of commitment to the principle, some members tended to believe that plural marriage was necessary for salvation and exaltation. But not today.
1: You see, it was a very clever move on the part of the LDS leadership after the manifesto. Do we get rid of section 132 that talks about celestial marriage and equates it with plurality of wives? Or do we just get rid of it and end with section 131? Or, whoa, better idea, let's redefine the phrase. Let's redefine the phrase and then we'll tell the people That contrary to what they thought they were told, or contrary to what they thought they believed, celestial marriage and polygamy are not synonymous terms. Folks, that's called gaslighting. It's making you think you believe something was right when in fact you were wrong all along that's what this article i think is doing with modern latter-day saints and this is why it breaks my heart that so many latter-day saints are not going to look into this a little bit deeper and find out that what they're being told doesn't really fit their history this isn't right they're making excuses for why they had to make a course correction but yet it was as i said before even wilford woodruff who said you can't do that he said In 1869, if we were to do away with polygamy, it would only be one feather in the bird, one ordinance in the church and kingdom. Do away with that, then we must do away with prophets and apostles, with revelation and the gifts and graces of the gospel, and finally give up our religion altogether and turn sectarians and do as the world does, then all would be right